This segment of the podcast was recorded at 7 p.m. on Thursday, February 23rd, and the interview that follows was recorded at 10 a.m. Jakarta time on Wednesday, the 22nd of February. I'm Jeff Hutton, regional correspondent for the Straits Times of Singapore. And I'm Stephen Hadoko. I work as a freelance journalist and I'm editing this podcast as well. Indonesia is counting the cost of what police are alleging is the willful distribution of cough syrup laced with toxins unfit for human consumption. Over the course of many months, starting last year, 200 children have died after drinking cough syrup containing industrial-grade solvents, including diethylene glycol and ethylene glycol. More than 100 children that we know of are suffering permanent organ damage, paralysis, and other grievous injuries. The toxins causing the widespread suffering are, of course, banned for human consumption and are instead used to bind ingredients that comprise antifreeze and tobacco products. Stephen, it's great to have you on the pod. You're stepping in to uh, Kevin's shoes this week when he's traveling. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Great to be here. Stephen, has Indonesia seen a food and drug emergency like this before that, that we know of? Anything on this scale? Definitely not on this scale. I mean, there are probably some issues with cosmetics that causes problems, but we, we've never seen anything of this scale. You've been covering this story in your own reporting for your own strings, and they include uh, the the Spanish newswire Efe. Well, where where does the case stand? There there are there's a criminal case as well as as well as the civil case that we're that we're about to hear about that, that we're right. going to hear about. Right. So uh, right now there is a class action lawsuit filed by the victims and families of victims of the acute kidney injury suffered by children. There's also another criminal case uh, that, you know, charges these manufacturers and distributors. That, that, so that's the pharmaceutical companies and their manu- uh, their distributors. And then their distributors, that's right. Yeah. Right. So, so it's important then to remember, before we go into the interview, that there have been no guilty sentences brought in those criminal cases, right? Yeah. right? Not, so, not yet, Right, but we do know that industrial solvents somehow, that the solvents used in antifreeze got into the cough syrup. So how does that happen? Well, so um, the one of the pharmaceutical companies get their uh, supply from a company called uh, Samudra Chemical. And on January 30th, they, the police finally arrested executives from Samudra Chemical, and they found uh, around 215 kilograms of drums with industrial-grade... Well, there's diethylene glycol, this right? And diethylene glycol, glycol, right, right. right. So right. They're solvents. They're used to bind things together. Right, yeah. and But they label it as pharmaceutical-grade ingredients, and they also... So this is a, also a fraud case where they are plastering the label of Dow Chemicals you know they are they are fooling the their customers 
by selling purposely misrepresenting the product as being something else. In this case, they said it's a safe product that can be used in medicine, like prescription medicine. They said it's right. safe when they knew that it wasn't. They 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 knew about this uh, effects obviously because they are in the chemical business. So there is a, in the sense, it's premeditated. Yeah. Tell us about Awan Priyadi, the man that we interviewed this week. All right. So Awan Priyadi is the lawyer representing the victims uh, of the acute kidney injury case. He represented around 25 people. Uh, although anyone who has suffered from the similar uh, case can, you know, can also join in to be part of this petition. What they are petitioning is for the the health ministry to get the better protocols in order to safeguard uh, the public so that these things don't happen again. They are also demanding that BPOM or the Food and Drug Agency to basically also this, the, this better protocol so that these things don't happen again. They also target the manufacturers and uh, the distributors. And they're seeking so, compensation, yeah. right? Two, two billion. Yeah, for, they are asking for, for compensation. Is that right? You're right. I think it's in the, around the two billion for the victims, whether they, the victim has died or whether the victim has uh, survived. You know, it, it's very easy to die from this uh, from this poisoning. Right. It's, and, it's, and it, it's quite lethal, right? Yes. And, and the victims uh, uh, want to specifically mention that they were poisoned. It, it's not like a, an accident or uh, where, you know, they are actively using that word, they are poisoned, so. Right. Now, um, in, in the interview, uh, Pak Awan is pretty strident. He feels that BPOM should have been more uh, proactive. It should have stopped this from happening. And, it, you know, it, it feels like safeguarding medication, especially prescription medication, from being contaminated with stuff that's used for industrial purposes, would be the job of government. So, so what would BPOM say in its defense? Well, uh, BPOM covers uh, medicine. So it, that would be the active ingredients in the cough syrup. But this, this solvent is used for their sweet taste and too. So they don't really cover that stuff that uh, typically make it sweet or palatable. Uh, they don't really have, they also, you know, they don't have the infrastructure to monitor every barrel of uh, solvent that right. goes into making the cough syrups. Right. And also you have you have to remember that what happened here was beyond anyone's expectations. The, the so? distributors, I mean, they purposely use industrial solvents to cut costs at the expense of lives. It's a, it's a self-interest in not purposely poisoning the supply chain of anything. Uh, people might argue that they're not equipped to monitor that because it, you know, they, they have no idea that anyone would stoop to this degree of evil. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's leave it there. Let's get on with the interview with Pak Awan. All right. 
one, can can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, where where the case stands at the moment? Yes, so uh, I am uh, Awan Puriadi. I am the uh, the lawyer for this twenty uh, five victims of uh, drug intoxication. So it happened in two thousand and twenty two, and it was started. I think it was in January two thousand and twenty two. There was a, a case of of a victim who died because of uh, drug intoxication. And then uh, it was just quiet, went quiet. And then I think it was in September, the uh, the victim is, was getting uh, getting more in numbers. And then the peak was, I think, in October 2022, where hundreds of victims died and also uh, in a, a severe condition in in healthcare facilities and i think the government didn't realize the first time that it was intoxication so the uh, the uh, medical professional in the healthcare facilities they didn't have a clue what was happen right until october they found antidote for this for this disease and it was this this antidote is for the uh, acute kidney injury because of uh, uh, drug intoxication intoxic mm-hmm. yeah yeah right yeah i think that's uh, yeah and so I think where, that where does, sorry I don't, i don't mean to interrupt but where does where does the um the case stand now have you actually been to court yes uh we filed the uh the uh, we filed the lawsuits in uh, i think it was in november but There was some revision because more victims joins to in the group, so we refile it again in December. And the first court schedule was in January, and and the first summon letter was uh, the first summon letter was in uh, January, and the first schedule was in yeah in January. And now the now we are in a third summon letter and this is just you know just a normal procedure in the in the court proceeding so they just they just look at the uh, plaintiff and defendant legal standings and who who is the defendant in this case yes uh, because of of the victim consumes uh, drugs from two companies who produce this uh, syrup the defendants are mainly these two uh, producer of of the drugs one is the uh, Afi Pharma PT Afi Pharma the company and then the second is the uh, Universal Pharmaceutical and also the suppliers the chemical suppliers for those two companies that's for the pharmaceutical industries and also we sue the government which are the uh, Indonesian Food Drug Agency BPOM and uh, Health Ministry Pak Awan uh, I would like to ask you because you are representing this uh, victims can you tell me about the conditions of the victims right now how many yes. are yeah yeah uh, uh, so formally we represent 25 victims right so but actually we have this uh, community of 
no, no, this is a group of WhatsApp group of 50 people, but but formally 25 victims give us power of attorney. So from the 25 victims, 19 of them uh, has 19 of them have died. So the parents who the children have died, and six of them still in a in a in a care, whether in a hospital or or uh, just you know back and forth from house to hospital. So uh, I think right now four victims are in a hospital, RS or SGM in Jakarta. So two of them, uh, two of them are paralyzed. They cannot move their limbs. They cannot recognize the surrounding. So the, uh, the condition is very bad. So, and with this, it, with this condition, the, uh, the the hospital even pushed them to to get home. So this is very uh, difficult situation for them because the condition of these children is very bad. But well, you know the 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 kidney the kidney disease the kidney injuries is uh, I think is uh, declared normal, but but. The effect of this kidney injury has spread to the uh, nerve system, the brain, and it, it's just it's just permanent damage. So I think they want to stay there until the, the kid in his best condition. But uh, the hospital think that the best way to to to, to you know to get them home and then but you know there is a there is a discussions about it and and I think. Uh, the situations uh, we we now focus on this on this issue because we need them to be cared by the government until they are fully recover in terms of in terms of uh, rational and you know rational that that can be accepted by by the victims' parents by the uh, the medical professional in the hospital and not not only just just uh, one-sided uh, argument from the uh, hospital. So, I mean, you want them to get assistance from the government, not just for the care in the hospital, but also what happens after, I mean, in terms of psychological recovery and uh, physiological recovery. Is is that uh, the main concern right now for yes. the victims? Yes, because, you know, the victims who are survived right now is in very difficult situation because nobody in this country care about them. We have already uh, had this uh, audiences with the uh, human rights commission. We have already had audiences with the uh, with the uh, parliaments. Uh, there are there were several meeting with the uh, health ministry, but until now there is no concrete actions to care about them. So. Uh, initially, the government said that all the expenses, all of this care, will be covered by the uh, state insurance, with, which is B BBGS, right? But then, for most cases, there are there are medical supplies, medical needs that that cannot be provided by the hospital cannot be provided or any other reason. So they have to provide it by themselves. For example, there is a there is a mother with victims who has 
you know, very in a very severe condition because they have tracheostomy. You know, they put hole in 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 their in in the kid's neck, and and they push them to to go home, and then in order to survive, this mother has to buy some kind of a machine to to you know to support the kids to be you know to be able to survive you know and and that's the government you know did, did not did not cover that right so what 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 is your estimate for the lifelong care for for those who are grievously injured i mean we're we're talking about small children so the assumption is that they're going to live 60 or 70 years so 60 or 70 years connected to machines and all the various help and the the, the various therapies and the medicines per per victim how much are we looking at well actually you know i think the medical professional in the hospital in this case and SCM know better about this and the government should should you know working together with the hospital to create some kind of a special assistant for this toxic drug victim so but now the government just you know put it in a in a other responsibility like bpjs or other existing government program there is no special right. program or special assistant that that government give to this victim so yeah. so now so, so I just wonder if you have an estimate though like how much it, how much it would cost per victim well we, I can base that on our lawsuit, so we put that on our lawsuits. So we 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 calculate the material loss and immaterial loss, and like like you said before, that we counted if they live until, for example, seventy years or something like that. So we put three billion rupiah for the uh, for the victims who has died and two billion rupiah for the. Uh, the fixed team who still survive but actually that, that 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 is the number where you know where we can see that the government probably and the industry probably can you know or manage to 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 settle not the actual right. like right so you think that it may actually be more but that's the more, most realistic number that people will yes, yes yes right I see. right um, can you give me a sense of the burden of proof? Like, do you have to prove negligence on the part of the uh, defendants? Or do you just yes. have to prove damage? Oh, you have to do both. Yes, yes. We have to prove the negligence because, you know, and, and I think we have already had it because in 2022, in November, the government, especially BPOM, said that they don't have the standard. They don't have the standard of checking this toxic uh, use into the uh, drug manufacturing process. They don't have the standard to check this dangerous substance to be used in a, in a manufacturing process. They don't have the standard. Actually, this testing whether the, the product contains yes. So they don't have the standard to test it. So when when we see in this case that this case is not new, this case happens before in 2007 in Panama, and and then after that in 2007, the United States government, Food Drug Agency of United States government, they set up a standard to 
an obligation for pharmaceutical industry to check this dangerous sub- substance, especially this ethylene glycol in the ethylene glycol in the in the drug manufacturing process. In 2007, it was like 15 years ago. So the BPOM should have been able to prevent this by setting up a uh, standard in the first place before it happens. So in our lawsuit, because they didn't have the standard in the first place, that's the cause why these children lost their lives. You know, they should have been able to 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 prevent it in the first place. Okay. Oh, uh, Awan, uh, another point that you mentioned to me is that you are uh, asking the health ministry to declare this outbreak as a kejadian luar biasa. Is there a particular reason why do you think they don't want to declare it as kejadian luar biasa? Yes, the uh, kejadian luar biasa or extraordinary happening or something like that. So... I think there is there are some obligations when you declare this case as kejadian luar biasa. It means that the government has to provide transparent information to the to the public, and also they have to cover all of the uh, expenses to care for the victim from the hospital until a long term effect. You know, and also if there is a uh, case in the future, they have already set up a protocol, clear protocol to handle it. So I think those are the things that I think some of them, uh, I think some of them is uh, uh, avoided by the government. I don't know which one, pro- probably about this information transparency or something like that. I'm not sure about it, but until now they... They are avoiding it, and they they don't they are not interested in it, and I think it's very, very uh, bad for the victims. And also, if something like this happen in the future, we don't have protocol, we don't have clear protocol, and it will definitely uh, take victims as many as uh, this case. I think. But I want um. You said that you've we, we, we've seen this before, um, but have we ever seen? And you you were mentioning other countries, but have we ever seen anything like this in Indonesia before? Well, fortunately, we haven't got any uh, any similar case like this one in Indonesia, right? This is the first time, and I think that's why the government said that we don't know what. We we they didn't have a clue in the first in the first time that that that, that this happens, but then you know, but then you know, as a government who who is you know well connected with international community of you know of pharmaceutical industries or something like that, they should have known. Right. They should have known because because in pharmaceutical community, it is well known that ethylene ethylene glycol and diethylene glycol are used as a counterfeit substance for the drug uh, materials. So it is well known. So if they said that they don't have standard to check it, it is so fatal. I mean, you know, that is the well, main cause why this happened. What, what was the process before? I mean, so it was, it was up to the companies to self-report 
the, the ingredients and the processes? Yes, so uh, there is a standard is called CPOB or Cara Pembuatan Obat Yang Baik or in English, Good Drugs Manufacturing Practices. So there, there, is, there is a standard. And in Indonesia, the standard of checking ethylene glycol and diethylene glycol is absence. There is no standard of checking those substance. That's the main problem. BPOM or FDA should have put this in the first place, but they didn't put it. They said that they didn't know. That is so, you know, it's funny because it's government. Why, why did they know? It happens before a long time ago in another country. They, that is, that is, should have been able to recognize it and put it in some kind of standard. But they mm. didn't know. Yeah. It's absent. So whether it is self-reported by the by the industries or controlled by the government, if there is standard, it might have been able to be uh, to be prevented, right? But there is no standard. It's absent. So that that's that's the main problem. Do you think that there are other areas where the the same problem may occur? I mean, uh, I, I guess it's a fuzzy question, but. If this has happened in cough syrup, where else might this happen? Be happening? Do you think? Yes, I think there is there is a possible potential problem that the substance used in uh, drug industry and food industries. So is there is possibility okay. because you know uh, when when we as as a team look into the substance, the substance mm -hmm. is odorless is uh, colorless and it's perfectly uh, utilized as you know as substance who can mix all of these uh, drugs ingredients or food ingredients together without without any machine so this is very effective for the industry yeah it's very cheap <laughs> and very cheap also mm -hmm. so i think there are other possibilities that this substance can be used in other fields like food or other kind of drugs so I think it's very dangerous for if if BPOM or Indonesian government just, you know, just avoid this to be taken this problem seriously. Uh, Pak Awan, I've spoken to two of the victims that you represented and both of them said they get the cough syrups or paracetamol from a prescription. So it's not like they go to the drugstore and buy uh, any type of um, drug syrup they, they prefer. So I was wondering if uh, there is a possible connection between the manufacturers and uh, the clinics in selling their uh, syrups. Was there ever yes. a suspicion like that? Yes. I want to make it clear that all of the victims that we are represented, that they get they got this uh, drugs from doctor prescription in a medical healthcare facilities uh, provided by uh, state insurance, right? So these parents went to the doctor, take their, 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 their ill children to get proper medicines. Everything is, uh, you know, proper. And then something like this happened. They lost their their child, right? So this is very, you know, somebody, especially government, should responsible for this. And you know, you know what? 
I all of this all of these prescriptions comes from the uh, doctor who covered by BPJS. So 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 we we think that this 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 drug company like Afi Pharma, especially Afi Pharma, has some kind of a contract with BPJS to provide to provide uh, widespread drug from BPJS program. I think something like that. You should probably jump in here and say that BPJS is the national health insurer, among other things. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I want I, I want to ask you, and um, it's kind of tricky. Uh, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, but how appropriate are the uh, are Indonesian courts up to this? Like, what kind of process are you looking at? What is the legal system that you're using? What what is the legal infrastructure like to handle a case like this? How confident are you of success? Well, uh, actually, initially we launched this lawsuits. Our first intention is just to make the government see us, and and you know you know uh, they admit that they make a mistake, they fail to prevent this to happen. That the initial our uh, intention, but until now the government uh, just you know does not look uh, you know like look at look at us seriously. Even even they they fail to attempt the, the court uh, summon letter several times, but, well, you know, I think... I mean, they haven't showed of, up in court. They haven't... Yes, they haven't come. several times, but now, the last time they showed up, and then uh, I think they don't want to miss the the third, the third one, the 28th uh, of February, because if they fail to, to, uh, to attempt this court schedule, they will be considered as uh, uh, releasing their right, and they will, they will, they have to follow whatever the court decided. So, our our lawsuit is is a class action lawsuit. So it is a group lawsuits, a group of victims. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the, I think the, this class actions lawsuit is a is a new pros procedure in Indonesian court system. Even the judge. When we were discussing about the uh, the uh, procedure of this class action, they they said to us as we together we learned about it. So I think there is still a uh, uh, there is still a opportunity in that in that in that sense. Oh, that's interesting. So it's, it's new. Meaning, did it is it new under the uh, new criminal code? Like, how, how is this a a new procedure? No, this is a civil cause. The civil, 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 civil court. Right. So civil court. courts. So they look for the. Uh, so we, that's why it's called the plaintiff and the defendant. So, uh, but the criminal court is solely taking care, taken care by uh, by uh, police. So. Sorry, right? But I guess I guess what I was getting at was, um, how is it that class action suits are a new phenomenon is there legislation that was enacted recently that allows for this that's interesting too there are several cases that has been using utilizing this procedure for example like the uh the uh, the case in ambon 
the civil, the civil conflict in Ambon was was sorted out by this procedure, procedure and other cases. I think not not many, but I think uh, this open up the opportunity for group of victims to seek justice through this court system. So the procedure is the first uh, the first procedure is the, the judge examine whether the victims are are uh, true the identification are correct and they are the real victims after that the judge will announce whether this lawsuit is valid or not and then after the judge announce it is valid so the victims will announce it to the, the national media that they will represent all the victims collectively and after that the normal proceeding of civil civil uh, lawsuit will be in place so it's 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 um it, it's not a common uh procedure no it's not especially in the first stage when the judge examine whether or not this class action lawsuit is valid and um I think after the third uh, hearing, there is going to be a mediation. Am I correct here? Yes. So after the judge declare that the class action lawsuit is valid, and then after the uh, the plaintiff uh, announced to the media that they represent the uh, the all victims, so the judge will will uh, create a uh, window of mediation, something like that. So if it is settled in that in that uh, moment, so the lawsuit will be end. Do you think that the manufacturers and governments will try to settle out of court but absolve them from any wrongdoing? Do you think that's a strategy that might they might pursue? Uh, probably, but I'm not well, sure. Is, is that acceptable it. to you? Well, uh, yeah, actually, the uh, our purpose to launch this lawsuit is just to government to look at the victims and, you know, responsible for the negligent negligence that, 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 that happens. And then uh, they repair the system. That's the that's the most important thing. If they, uh, you know, they avoid to admit there is a uh, legal consequences or something like that, so I think we can accept it. But the system must be, must be uh, corrected, you know, and and the government must must you know aware if there is. Uh, standard elsewhere in the world and and there is possibility that it can happen in Indonesia the government should take active actions to take the standard into you know Indonesian system or something like that and prevent it something bad happen uh, I want thank you very much for your time we wish you all all the best and uh, we wish your your victims um, uh, a speedy recovery or some sense of resolution. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for our one.
Our editor is Stephen Handoko. Music by the Blue Dot Sessions. To support our podcast, please donate through buymeacoffee.com slash For a free trial of Kevin's Reformacy newsletter, go to reformacy.info. This podcast is a production of On The Level Media. I'm Jeff Hutton. Bye for now.